27 and verse number 32. I want to read two companion verses that have to deal with the cross of Christ. And two of the five songs, or maybe three of the five songs that we sang this morning, I saw the words come up on the screen about Calvary. And so we're talking about the cross of Christ this morning. I want to I speak to you with the subject in mind, a question in mind, why bear his cross? Why bear his cross? Never thought about it that much before, but the last several days, it's just been kind of burning like a little ember uh, in the fireplace of my soul. And I want to share with you uh, this story of this Cyrenian and, uh, that bears the cross of Jesus. I want to look at two or three things this morning. So stay with us and uh, we'll see what the Lord has for us today. Matthew 27, verse number 32. And as they came out, this is the story of the crucifixion of Christ, they found a man... By, uh, of Serene, Simon by name, a hymn they compelled to, look at this, to bear his cross. To bear his cross. Look with me over in the book of Luke, a similar verse. And as they led him away, speaking of Jesus, they laid upon one Simon, the Cyrenian, Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. This is a very unusual part of the story of the cross of Calvary. It's not one, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone in particular, I don't know that I have, preach on this particular subject about this particular man. Now this, the text suggests a few things. And uh, we'll look at those as kind of a pre-summary, and then I'll give you some simple thoughts this morning on the subject of why we like this man. Now, I know that in the book of Mark and in other places, perhaps in the book of Matthew, that it talks about how that every man should bear his cross, that we're to bear our own cross. We all have a cross to bear. But this particular man was the one who bore the cross of Jesus partly up to Calvary. I don't know how, I don't know the, the scene, I don't know the setting. I, don't, I can only imagine in my mind, you don't read very much about these, these two particular verses in commentaries. With all the commentaries I have at home, I have the pulpit commentary, which I treasure. The church gave it to me, I think my 10th anniversary here. Just a wonderful volume of, of uh, books about the scripture. And in all of those, you rarely find any comments about this particular part of the crucifixion story. But I don't believe the Bible has anything there without purpose and without, and without thought. I think God put this in here. I think he put it in here with a particular thing in mind. Now, I'm not fully understanding of the culture and so on and so forth. We know that at least in the Roman culture, that when someone was carried out to crucifixion, they were about to experience capital punishment for the crimes. We know that they had to carry their own beam. We do know that. And uh, they had to carry that beam up to their crucifixion place. And we do know that they had to wear a placard hanging around their neck that identified the particular crime that they had committed. Both of those things 
happened to Jesus. And he was not a criminal at all. An accused criminal, but falsely accused. But nonetheless, as he was, as he was carrying that beam that he was crucified on, in our, in our minds and in songs that we have heard, and for no other reason, we believe that somewhere along the way that he fell beneath the load of the cross. You can see that, can't you? And you can understand why. Jesus was not only the Son of God, but He was also the Son of Man. You can understand that Jesus was not just God, but He was also man. Not half man and half God, but all man and all God. 100% man, 100% God. I don't have any trouble with that. I don't even worry about that because I know it's so. And so the human side of Jesus, the part of Jesus that hungered and uh, thirsted and uh, many other things that you as a human experienced, so did Jesus experience because he had been so brutally beaten the day before, because he had been abused in so many ways. He had been <coughs> without food. He had been without water for multiplied hours. He was bleeding profusely. His flesh was hanging off of his bones. And now he is given the responsibility of taking that beam, ever how heavy it was, probably well over a hundred pounds, and walk it some distance. As he was making that trek, somewhere along the way he fell down. And Roman soldiers had the authority to say, Hey you, I don't think it was a random person. I think it was somebody that God had in mind. God doesn't get caught uh, in, in a situation that he has to figure things out. And so it was in the providence of God, the Roman soldier pointed over at this man, this, this Cyrenian, and said, you come take his cross, and he did. We don't know how far he carried it, 100 yards, 200 yards, a quarter of a mile, None of that is important except to understand that for some period of time, and there's a little typology here, there's a little analogy here, there's a little, there's a little prophecy here, because there would be a time, such as a time that you and I are living in, this 2,000 years that has passed since Jesus died. I'm, I'm just trying to say it this way. Jesus is not carrying the cross today as he didn't carry it that day for a period of time. And so it, is, it, should, it should behoove each one of us to understand our responsibility in carrying the cross in this day and hour that you and I live in. Can you see that? And so I want to I look at it. Now I know there's been a lot of songs about the cross a lot of poems, a lot of art, there's jewelry, there's signs, there's symbols, there's messages, and so on and so forth about the cross. But rarely do we talk about our responsibility in bearing His cross. I don't know if you remember, I saw one time, we were down in the Tampa, Florida area, and the traffic was on an interstate highway, a major thoroughfare, if, it, if not an interstate highway, four lanes, and uh, the traffic was kind of slowed up a little bit. And uh, as we approached it, thinking it might be an accident, 
accident or something. But uh, as we were going down the highway, we slowed down, and uh, walking along the side of the road, there was this man, and he was walking, and he had a, a cross, and he was carrying that cross, had a wheel on the back of it, and he was, carry, he was bearing that cross, just walking at normal speed. Uh, some of you may know back, it, it, maybe in the last 10 years, uh, this, uh, his name was uh, uh, Steve Epp, and uh, he did that. He, I think he started out in Oklahoma or Iowa, somewhere out west, Walked all the way across the country, making it eight, nine, ten miles a day. I remember reading his story. And likewise, he had a cross that he was carrying on his shoulder, had a wheel on the back of it, and he walked from community to community and made his way all the way across the country. Now, I think that's, that's good, you know, emblematic of what we're supposed to do, but I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to get you to go get you an old log and put a wheel on it and take off across the country. But there's something that I read in his story. I remember reading in the, in the story of Steve Epp. And he said that when, the, when they were interviewing him on one of the major television networks and trying to make light of it, as, as you would think they would, and they asked him, what kind of response are you getting? And he said something along the line, uh, and this is not a direct quote. He said that it was a very humbling experience, but it was also sometimes a very humiliating experience. And we find that bearing the cross of Christ. If you, if you carry the cross of Christ, if you, if you sing about the cross of Christ, if you talk about the cross of Christ, if you preach about the cross of Christ, there's going to be, you will find it to be a very humbling experience. When we talk about the cross, it kind of takes away from everything that we're able to do because we understand and realize that He did it all for us. And there His last words on the cross was, uh, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then Jesus hung His head and said, It's finished. And all of salvation's plan was now complete. It's humbling to think that, that somebody would die for all the sins of the world. And then in some respects, in certain circles, if you believe in old time religion and you believe in the blood that we were singing about this morning, and if you believe that, there was, that God sent His Son to die on the cross and put Him through all of that humiliation, there's people who will mock you and they will make fun of you and they will laugh at you. Used to, they did it behind your back. But they'll do it to your face this day and hour. But I tell you, it's worth it to be a church that believes in the cross of Calvary. And we are one. I believe in the cross. Hallelujah. And so I want to give you two or three things very quickly this morning. Let's get quickly into our thoughts. The first thing, I want you to look with me. Here's our first thought. Uh, why should we bear His cross? Number one, because of who it glorifies. Now I've given you that thought before, but, but don't, 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 get, uh, don't get sleepy on me, okay? Because of who it glorifies. Look at Galatians chapter 6. And um, in verse number 14, the Bible has something like this to say. Or it says exactly this. Why bear his cross? Number one, because of who it glorifies. Look in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 14. But God forbid that I should glory. That do a whole lot of people a lot of good today, wouldn't it? Do a whole lot of preachers a lot of good today. 
It'd do me good today if, if, we could, if we could just come to the place that we understand that the only place that we have that we can bestow any glory is in Christ. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not anything that I have done. It's not anything that I have accomplished. It's not any ambitions that I may have. It's not in anything that I, that I can bestow upon myself. I don't have any trophy to, to show uh, about any glory that I should have. Only Christ should get the glory this morning. He should get the glory in every church. He should get the glory in every home. He should get the glory in every life. He should get the glory in every song. He should get the glory in every message. He should get the glory in every testimony. It's not about about you. It's not about me. He gets the glory. Ultimately, he gets the glory. Can you say amen right there? Well, we're living in a day and hour where all we're, you know, we, we can't even hardly, uh, you know, we, we can't hardly um, get the job done unless somebody's patting us on the back. And I know people that way. You know, I, I, I remember many years ago when I, early in my pastorate, I had, I had a, a family that if I'd go see them every Saturday, they'd come to church every Sunday. I learned that ain't the way to get it done. I mean, after a year or so of that, you just say, hey, if they ain't got it, they ain't got it. And uh, I mean, if they don't have enough God in their life to get them to go to church on Sunday, you can't, you can't go every Saturday and see somebody get them to go to church. And, and I, I remember one or two people that if I'd called their name time after time after time, man, you couldn't give them enough things to do. But, you know, it's not about us getting the glory, is it? It's not about me getting the recognition. Somebody say amen. Now, I'm talking about this is why we preach the cross. Every home, every church, every nation, Jesus should get the honor, praise, and glory. And here's the reason why. Save the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Here's two reasons. Here's why he gets the glory. First of all, in, because he is God's son. John 20 and verse 30 and 31. Look on it. And uh, you won't have to take time to turn there. I, I've got to move along quickly now. And many other signs did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Verse 30. Verse number 31 but these things are that ye might believe that Jesus Christ, that Jesus is Christ. Look at this. The Son of God, and that ye might be, in believing you might have life through His name. We see, first of all, that we need to bear His cross because it glorifies Him as the Son of God. Nobody else hung on that tree. On that tree was... God's only begotten Son, the one we're identified with in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's who it was on the tree. And so we see, first of all, that He is God's Son. He is God's Son. Then look with me, if you would, in Philippians chapter number 2. And we read a couple of verses here, but He's God's servant. In Philippians chapter number 2, uh, starting in verse number 4, Look not every man on his own things, because he gets the glory, but every man on the thing of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, 
but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. Did you see that? The form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to, the de to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every knee should bow, every king will bow his knee, every president will bow his knee, every... Everybody, everybody from the White House to the Poor House and everything in between will bow their knee one day of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that, that every knee and that every tongue, the atheist tongue, the agnostic tongue, the believing tongue, the unbelieving tongue shall confess, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, here it is, to the glory of God the Father. Why bear His cross? Because of who it glorifies, it glorifies Him as the Son of God. It glorifies Him as a servant of God. I like the Apostle Paul, and I wish that I was more like him when he gives his introductory remarks in, in, the, in Romans chapter number 1. He doesn't start out as Paul, whoever, Paul the Apostle. He doesn't start out as Paul the doctor. He doesn't start out as Paul. He says, Paul, the servant of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's servant, therefore he is glorified. But I want you to look at this one also. It also glorifies him. It mentions Lord Jesus Christ. One of those represents Jesus as God's son. One represents Jesus as God's servant. And the other one represents Jesus as God's savior. God's savior. Here it is in 1 Corinthians 1, 17 and 18. For Christ sent me not to baptize... That'd be a good message, wouldn't it? But to preach the gospel. It's, it's amazing how the Bible distinguishes between baptism and the gospel. Two different things. <sighs> amen, amen. Not with wisdom of words. Look at this. Lest the cross of Christ be made of none effect. Verse number 18. For the preaching of the cross to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, look at this, it is the power of God. Not only do we see that He is the Savior, that the Father have sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, but we see secondly, because that, uh, that we, we should bear the cross, not only because of who it glorifies, I'm getting ahead of myself, but because of what it is. It is the power of God. We see that He's the Son of God, He's the servant of God, He's the Savior of God, for the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Number two, because of what it is, and I read the verse, the power of God. Now, he, and, and in two specific ways, we understand that, that, um, that the cross, the bearing of the cross, identifies not only with who it glorifies, but what it is, it is the power of God. Number one, it's the power of God to save. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. You don't have to make this stuff up. It is the power of God unto salvation. You couldn't make this stuff up. Unto God, everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also the Greek. We see that in one way, it is specifically the power of God to save. And then on the other hand, once you're saved, it is the power of God to keep. We are kept by the power of God. 1 Peter 1.5, and I know I'm running in a hurry, but I'm doing it on purpose. 
who are kept by the power of God through faith unto, the, unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, who are kept by the power of God. I'm not kept by my faithfulness. I'm not kept by my record. I'm not kept by my messages. I'm, not kept, I'm kept by the power of God. We're saved eternally. The power of God to keep. Now, I wanted to get to the last one. And uh, number three. Not only are we thinking about, we, we, uh, we bear the cross of Calvary because of who it glorifies. We bear the cross of Jesus because of what it is. It is, a, that's the hope of the world, the power of God unto salvation. I love this book. <laughs> it makes it easy, doesn't it? Number three, and finally, because of, look at this, how... Where, when, and who it works for. That's the good thing about it. Because of how it works, the cross, and where it works, and when it works, and for whom it works. Look with me finally this morning in the book of Ephesians. I know I was there last Sunday. I have studied Ephesians chapter number 2. There is more in detail there than you'll preach in a lifetime. But one of the other things I found was, uh, was kind of a compliment to this message, and so I added it in here. And so now we're looking at the third and final matter as far as why we must bear the cross of Calvary, why we must bear His cross, because of who it glorifies, because of what it is. But finally, in Ephesians chapter number 2, beginning... Uh, down in verse number 13, and we'll just look. Let's read verses 13 through 17. Everything that needs to be said is in verse number 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Look at this. For he is, I'm going to slow down. For he is <laughs> our peace. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What people need today is peace. We, the, you know, we don't need, we don't need the, the psychology of, and, and, the, and, and, and the social aspect of the gospel. We need the peace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing going to settle this world down is to have the peace of God that passeth all understanding. The only way we're going we're gonna to see peace in the world, the only way we're going to see peace in families, the only way we're going to see peace in churches and government, the only way we're going to see peace in individuals is when the Prince of Peace is recognized as the hope of this world. They think it's going to happen, preacher, I'm praying for it. It don't look like it, does it? There's, there's so many other solutions you know, that, that people have outside of just the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. It will change your life. For He is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition uh, between us. Verse number 15, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, preached on that last Sunday, even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make himself of twain one, man, one new man, so making peace. Verse number 16. 
and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, verse number 17, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that are nigh. Now, let's go back to number 13. You can go back and read verses 1 through 3 to get a, a full a portrait of what he's having to say here. But So how does it work? How does it work? I'm kind of just taking the verse apart here. Verse number 13, the latter part of it, by the blood of Christ. <laughs> That's how it works. It only works through the blood of Christ. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. I like it. Sometimes a song leader, I thought Brother Greg was going to do it this morning. Let's put four powers in there. Power, 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 power. Wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. I've, I've seen them put eight powers there. Power, 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 power. Wonder working power. It's got all the power in the world. By the blood of Christ. I'm not standing before you this morning with a, with a soul that has been washed as white as the wind-driven snow. I'm standing before you as a product of the blood of Christ that brings forgiveness for all my sins and all the sins of the world. I'm not saved by the water. I'm not saved by works. I'm not saved by wishes. But I've been saved by the blood of that's how it works. That's why it works all the same for everyone. There, you, know, you, don't, you don't have to be concerned about social status. You don't have to be concerned about financial status. You don't have to be concerned about who, when, where uh, in the world. Doesn't matter what nationality. It's all the same for everybody. God did it through the blood because that way is absolutely without cost to you and to me. The wise, the unwise, you name it. Everybody qualifies under the blood. And the blood is sufficient. It is by, how does it work? It works because of the blood of Christ. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from, we sing those songs here. Why? Because we, I started to say we believe it. Here, here's what I'm, I was preaching on Wednesday night about something. And I, it wasn't a real uh, real, uh, um, you know, easy area to preach. And, uh, and I said something like, well, you know, I believe it. That's, in, that's unimportant. That's insignificant as to whether I believe it or not. I should say that's what the Bible says. That's what the book says. It's not on me. That's what the book says. It's by the blood of Christ. From cover to cover. From the garden in Eden to the Garden of Gethsemane and beyond. It is by the blood. And so because of how and when. We also have that, uh, I'm sorry, uh, how and where. I think that's the order I have them in. How and where. Um, we have that in verse number three. He said, but those who are far Sometimes we're far off. And he describes that in the, in the earlier verses. 
He talks about their conversation in the world and, and, and uh, how far they were out there. And you see a lot of people that are way out there today, don't you? Sure you do. If you go to town very often, you see a lot of people that are way out there. They're not too far for him. You, you don't even, you know, we're beyond the matter of, you, you, you know, it's not like weirdo anymore. I mean, you know, that, that word's probably not even in the dictionary anymore, but they're not too far off for him. Ever how far they've gone, they're still within his reach. I believe that with, I don't have to say I believe that. I can say the Bible teaches that. That they haven't gone too far. Hallelujah. It works for those who are far off. Oh, when does it work? Beginning of the sentence. But now. He even mentioned it further down uh, in the verses, but now. You know when it works? It works right now. Doesn't it? I mean, it works today. Whatever today's date is in October of 2021, it works now. We have an invitation here momentarily. And if there's someone in this auditorium or listening on this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you know when you can, you know when you can, you know when the best time to accept Him as your Savior is? It's right now. Now is the accepted time. Right now. Don't put it off. When does it work? It works now. When does the cross work? It works now. That's why we need to bear His cross because it glorifies when and how and where and for whom it works. Look in the last point, verse number four. The little word, five or six words into our sentence. But now in Christ Jesus, ye. That's it. That uh, encompasses the entire world. Anybody who reads this book, anybody who reads that verse, they're part of that. It's like Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou, that if Steve shalt confess with Steve's mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in Steve's heart that God, it's for me, it's for you, it's for everybody. You, you can just go through the ABCs and put your name right there. For who? It works for you. And it works for me. Now, should we not bear that information to the world? Should not, should not that be the very gut of our ministry, the very foundation of our ministry? Is pointing people to the cross of Calvary. Pointing people to the cross of Calvary. May your life and may my life as God's, as God's servants and children May we be more conscious. Help people when they look at us to see Jesus. Let's glorify Him. Let's, let's glorify Him and what He's done. Would you stand with us for prayer? Our Father, we bow before you with these very simple thoughts. but Lord, very truthful nonetheless. Lord, may we be compelled as Simon 
to bear the cross. Lord, the message of the cross is on our shoulders today. Lord, may we be able to visualize that this morning. And for all that you do for us, we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. While these are praying, we invite you.